0: You're listening to SuperPod, the no-filter MSP show presented by SuperOps.ai, where we go behind the scenes with today's top MSP owners and experts and get to know what they are really doing to evolve their business. Hey everyone, welcome back to SuperPod, the no-filter MSP show. I'm your host, Praveen, and I hope you folks are having a great time wherever you're from. So uh, today's guest is a dear friend or a virtual friend, as I should say, uh, you know, in these times, a fellow podcast host, an MSP thought leader and the CEO of Sabino CompTech. Chances are you've already found out who this is, right? But I'll say it anyway. Nancy Sabino. So welcome to Superpod, the No Filter MSP show, Nancy. How are you doing today?
1: So much for having me i am doing great <laughs> fantastic
0: <laughs> awesome good to know so you know i did say a lot about you right our fellow podcast host msp thought leader i know you as someone who's very 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 active on the msp communities uh you know wherever i've been you know one person i've constantly seen pop up everywhere is you so tell us one thing for uh, you know our listeners as well as the community members about one thing that i didn't mention in the intro or probably one thing that you haven't shared with you know uh, as a public information
1: oh um one thing I haven't shared um well that's kind of hard because I share a lot of stuff Uh (laughs) I'm an open book um so beyond the tattoos and um well I got a new puppy I don't Uh. know if that's if that's something i could share that counts okay i got a new puppy and she is the uh new mascot for our company oh she's um yes yes so she is our um chief oh what title did happiness officer that's what we gave her she's the chief happiness officer (laughs) and what's her name (laughs) her name is zelda
0: Oh, Zelda. So uh, to all the the gamers out there,
1: they might recognize that. Sorry. (laughs) Oh,
0: yes. (laughs) So you heard it here first. So uh, Nancy has hired her first, you know, chief happiness officer. So you heard it here first and hopefully our PR comes out next week. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So uh, Nancy, so I want to start off uh, with, uh, you know, uh, one question, right? So you've been in the MSP space for almost a decade now, if I'm not wrong. So how have you seen, you know, the MSP space kind of evolve? I know it's a pretty broad question. So I want you to kind of, uh, you know, address this from one, a technological point of view and an end user point of view, right? So how have your, uh, you know, technology adoption, or, you know, if you could take us back 10 years down there line, what are kind of techs you used, you know, how did you start? And then, you know, how things have changed now and from a client in client perspective, right? How were things back then? And how has the expectations are, you know, uh, expectations from the clients have changed?
1: That's a great question. Um, So yes, it's been over a decade uh, going on, probably 15 years that I've been in the industry. Uh, Started in it basically right out of high school, which is, um, you know, 18, uh, 18, 19 years old and went directly into the field. And back then, there was a lot more break-fix um, customers that we were dealing with. And so it was the what I like to call the traditional, um, it breaks, we come out and fix it. And um, over the years, we realized that business needs were changing. And so as business needs were changing, our model needed to change as well. And so uh, when my husband and I first started our first company, it was at the age of 22, and it was uh, a break fix company. And then, um, it, what, 2016, we decided to close that business and uh, start a new one, which is the MSP model. And mm-hmm. that was really driven because of how business needs were changing and what we were seeing with how customers were interacting with us. So mm-hmm. instead of waiting for something to be broken, they were Mm -hmm. wanting to make sure that there was a lot of more proactive work being done. And so we changed the model based off of what they wanted. Uh, Yeah, So the questions that they were asking and what they were needing and things like that.
0: Yeah, so uh, if I'm getting it right, it was more along the lines of you changed your business model in line with what your customers were uh, wanting.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. yeah, and what we ended up doing was we we actually took a look at everything that they needed in a holistic way, and mm-hmm. we built our service offering around that. Um, so we standardized everything that they were needing, ultimately speaking, and so mm-hmm. we we created a platform that they sign up for, and so every customer that we get gets this standardized package that fits everything that
0: they need. Got it. So uh, then I want to kind of dive into that part, right? So uh, you know, uh, we we have do have a lot of listeners who are just in the fix journey and stuff like that. So uh, do you recommend they can uh, keep continuing in that or, uh, you know, two questions uh, that come for me immediately is at what point, uh, let's say if I am a fix uh, owner, at what point do I decide that Hey, you know what? Enough is enough. Let me go to uh, you know an MSP managed services model. Is it does it gonna be uh, only driven by customer needs, or do I need to look at revenues and stuff like that? Or can I continue being a break fix if it uh, works for me?
1: I, I think that is up to the individual. So there are mm-hmm. situations where break fix um, is needed, and where certain businesses would prefer that, um, depending on what their business needs are. Um, But if, as a business owner, if you start to recognize that there are more opportunities for proactive work, then that's when you're going to start looking at um, more of the managed services on a monthly, on a recurring basis, which on a business level, that is going to be a lot more um, predictable for you. And you're going to it's going to increase your cash flow in a mm-hmm. much more predictable way. And so th- there is differences when it comes to that. For me personally, I liked that security much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to capitalize on that security because it worked with my lifestyle and it worked with my, my customer's needs. Um, and so that's, that's the reason why we made the shift. Um but I know plenty of customers or plenty of yeah, customers, I guess, that have um, decided that they wanted to stick with a break-fix uh, model, and so they didn't convert over with us. Got so it, it really depends on customer needs, your lifestyle, and what you're looking for, uh, and, and you can make that work.
0: Yes. Uh, You know, your last part, I was just going to encapsulate saying, hey, it depends on your personal choice and what your customers want. And I think you did that for me, you know, shows that you're (laughs) a seasoned podcast guest. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so, uh, yeah. okay. so that uh, brings me to the question of uh, let's say uh, today I decide. Right. So let's say assume that I'm a break, fix uh, owner and I decide that, hey, let me take on the managed services journey. So uh, what are the steps uh, you should, uh, you know, I should be thinking through, because again, I, I asked this question because, you know, I might as a fix owner, I might have a lot of customers who've been with me for, let's say five, 10, you know, whatever uh, number of years they might have been with me. So, uh, you know, do I transition them into, uh, let's say, managed services? What are the operational, you know, from a hiring point of view, from an operations point of view, finance point of view. So what are the steps that I need to be aware of if I'm like, you know, making the transition from break-fix to managed services?
1: Um, the first thing that I would say is what are the commonalities of your customer base? Uh, once you start to recognize those commonalities, then you have to look at do they share a problem and how can I fix that problem for them? Once you figure that out, then you can start to put pieces together for a platform that will benefit them and solve that problem at the same time. Um, on an operational standpoint, that means that you can begin to standardize your products, you can begin to standardize your service offering and how you then have the service delivery uh, portion of that. So, And the customers that don't fit within that model, the ones that are on the outskirts of that, at some point in time, you would probably have to make the decision of letting them go because they're going to be a distraction to the
0: standardization that you are putting in place. Got it. I think uh, if I'm getting this uh, kind of right, it's more about seeing the common uh, commonalities between your customers and trying to standardize and people who are on the outliers, either help them transition out or find another break, fix store that could help them so that, you know, you still maintain that relationship. And then would you continue to grow your business?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. There's, there were customers at the very beginning of our transition that uh, were not ready to move either because of the business size or because they just weren't um, seeing the value at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, years later they, they came back and they're now our managed services client um, and probably some of the best clients that we have because they understand now the differences uh, and the, what the value was that we were offering then that they weren't ready for. Um, So I always say like, never, never close a door because you just never know when it's the right time for someone um, or when it may not be. And so if you leave that door open, then at least you can, you know, continue that relationship and you just never know when it may come back.
0: Oh yes, absolutely. I think our relationships are far more critical and, you know, the moment you see that as, hey, I give and take, you're not going to last long, right? So it's more about seeing it in the long term and not having it as, you know, what they were break-fix, I've handed them over, let me just forget it.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. So it's an opportunity to um, not just develop a relationship with the customers um, that you are helping to bridge over the, to to what would help them at the time, but then also developing relationships with your peers and Mm -hmm. within your industry. I, Mm -hmm. I always say like, there is, we're not in competition. There is not a competition between peers because there are customers that are right for me and there are customers that are right for you. And at some point in time, we may have to collaborate and in order to solve the problem for a customer that is in transition or that is looking for the right fit. And so there, for me, that's always something that is very important and why I am so active within the MSB community, because I think the more that we help each other, the the better the industry is as a whole.
0: Absolutely, Nancy. You know, this kind of reminds me of a conversation I had with uh, Richard Tubb. Uh, who said the same thing, right? So if you want to grow big, you can't do it alone. You need the, uh, you know, support of the ecosystem. You need the support of your partners, your peers and everyone. So if you have to grow, you can't see it as say, it's me or her or it's me or him. It's yeah. it's going to be a bit more holistic growth where you take everyone along with you because not everyone specializes in everything, right? So you might specialize at let's say cybersecurity, I'm a specialized in website maintenance or someone else might uh, specialize in, let's say, break-fix. So, you know, working together is always one, a lot of fun and is win-win for everyone.
1: Yes, exactly. And in our industry, there is so much specialization that could happen. I mean, there's specialization within verticals or within softwares, so you just Mm -hmm. never know. And yep. I've, I've definitely run into situations where um, I had a prospect who they had a very specific software and we didn't have a lot of experience with this particular software, but I knew of someone that did. And so I handed them over to, to that um, peer because for me it was, I'm not going to service you as best as you deserve. And so mm-hmm. I know someone who can and... Let me make that connection. What ended mm-hmm. up happening was they started a different company, and they didn't have use for that software. And so we started to manage that other company that they started. And so it wow. worked out in the end by you know doing what was best for the customer and not um, just for me.
0: You know, got <laughs> it. So I think uh, some great anecdotal experience there, Nancy. So, uh, but my doubt comes from this, right? So. Uh, Let's say if I'm an MSP, let's say I go seek help from a, you know, a fellow MSP owner or a break fix owner or someone like that. Uh, You know, how do I, uh, you know, do do we have like a formal agreement to say, Hey, you can't poach this client or, you know, uh, what happens to the SLAs and stuff like that? So do they stick to your MSPs and SLAs? So how does that uh, whole system work? a good question. So I've, I've gone off of just personal
1: relationships. So I, I don't think that anything formal has ever really come out of the recommendations or the referrals that I make to my peers. It's, it's literally been, uh, we've had great conversations. I know what you, um, what you do. I know I've experienced uh, how you think. So I know how you're going to service other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so because of that, I trust that uh, it's going to be a great referral and that it's going to work out. And so it's more so along those lines and I just hand it off. So I, it's not like I'm asking for a referral fee of any kind or uh, something like that. It's more so of a introduction and then y'all take over um, and, -hmm. you know, let me know how that goes.
0: Got it. I think, uh, you know, what I'm able to see from a bigger picture is uh, as an MSP owner, uh, you know, it's one, it's one thing to kind of build that trust with your clients, end users and everyone, but it's equally, if not more important to build that trust with your peers or in the ecosystem, right? So because, you know, you never know where your uh, probably a new business is going to come from, or, you know, your additional uh, revenue is going to come from. So I think that's a great point. I think, uh, I mean, from our conversation so far, I think that's my biggest takeaway (laughs) (laughs)
1: good yeah and it's not just about revenue when it comes to your peers it's also about you know there's been so many peers that have saved me from problems um Mm -hmm. just by conversations that we've had so there's been lessons learned mistakes avoided because of the conversations that we've had or or just ideas that they um have offered by means of a conversation That has really impacted my business. And yes, so that's also, you know, cost savings and, you know, just mistakes that I've avoided because of that. But that's also been the most powerful or beneficial for my company as well.
0: Yes. I think, uh, you know, uh, when you have so much trust going on in the ecosystem and with clients, revenue just becomes a byproduct, right? So it's the relationships and, you know, the mistakes, the time that you save, the learnings that you have, those are the real, uh, uh, let's say, price that. You get for earning the trust.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, time <laughs> is money. So if you're absolutely. saving a lot of time, then you're you're saving money in some f- sort of way. So it makes sense in the end.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. So uh, I wanted to kind of now that we have spoken enough about uh, break-fix managed services, I want to kind of uh, delve into you know a touchy topic in the MSP space, which is uh, sales and marketing. So kind of wanted to talk uh, more along the marketing fronts, right? So because, uh, you know, uh, trust me when I say I've uh, gone through like at least 100 plus MSP uh, websites uh, in the past few months. And, uh, you know, every other website has this first folder, the hero copy, as they say, which talks about, hey, we do IT for blah, blah, blah. We are your trusted IT partners and stuff like that your website has a bunch of people dancing. So talk to us about, uh, you know, what is it? You know, what was your thought process? And, you know, not just that, right? So the reason I asked you this question around, you know, website and branding is, when I come to your LinkedIn profile, I see a bright uh, red uh, poster that's, you know, kind of, uh, you know, staring at me. I go to your website. Again, I see that uh, poster with, you know, contact us. You, You know, we have a section to know about you and your company a bit more. So talk to us about, you know, how did you decide to come up with this? What was your thought process? And, you know, maybe it would help if you could break it down into tactical steps.
1: Big question. Yes, (laughs) Yes, but I love the fact that it started off with a, this is a touchy subject uh, for the MSP world. And it certainly, I I think, yes, it definitely is. Um, But for me, it was, I, I started it off with, how do I want people to feel when Mm -hmm. they think about my company? And that was the essentially the origin question that led me to then everything else, because um, what I wanted is for people to not think about it and think of it as a problem or a frustration. I wanted them to think about it in the sense of a good time and it is an oxymoron within itself, IT and having a good time. A lot of the times it's like, well, it doesn't make any sense. Um, but that's kind of what draws people in and in, in like, how, what do you mean I can have a good time with, with IT? And so yeah. that leads to the, the so. question or the, the, the statement of that's what you get when you work with us um got it have a good time
0: <laughs> so that's step one so start with the why on you know what are, uh what do you want people to feel when they come to your website so you know as you speak i'll just encapsulate those points so that it becomes easier for our listeners to kind of you know have those takeaways <laughs>
1: so start yeah, with the why first yeah. yes yes absolutely um and then after that it was how do i want to um incorporate myself into that um and so it basically the face um who Mm -hmm. do you want them to see because they also need someone to relate to Mm -hmm. um they customers do not relate to the technology there is no way that that happens there's no emotional attachment there and so Mm -hmm. they have to relate to a story a person um someone who they see themselves in and so that led me to then now utilizing myself as the face of it, and it was mm-hmm. difficult for me. I I have social anxiety, and so ha- having hey. myself be no, I gotta interrupt was, you
0: there. Uh, you know, you don't <laughs> seem like someone who's having a social anxiety. So great, great, great job there, Nancy. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you. It was a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of work to get to get past that. But um, yeah, so it, it's. And I know that a lot of um, business owners, especially in, in our industry um, will say, well, I don't want to do that or I don't want to put myself out there. I don't um, I don't see the, the importance in that. But the importance mm-hmm. is in how, how your customers or your prospects will relate
0: to you. Got um, it, so and that's the second face, takeaway.
1: Yes, yes. Um, and seeing your face, seeing mm-hmm. who you are all of that then just sparks trust. And when it comes to IT, you need to spark trust in order to mm-hmm. even start to develop any kind of relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. Got so it. That's so the
1: one. yeah, that's
0: <laughs> point too. So I'll, I'll just iterate it again. So start with the why, what do you want people to feel when they come to your website? The second point, the larger point is to develop trust. So if you're gonna do that by having a real human talking about you know, how a real human would talk, not talk about supercharge, superhumanize, transform your IT and all that talk like how a real human would talk, paste human faces on your website. Cool, that's point two.
1: Yes, yeah, and then after that, it's um, the authenticity behind it. So do mm-hmm. you actually mean it and will you follow through? Um, mm-hmm. And the the part of that is the the way that you show it across all the mediums, right? So it you can't have your website look one way, give one feeling, and then they call you and it's a completely different feeling. It has Mm -hmm. to follow through. So I, Mm -hmm. I love to say branding is the soul of your business. Mm -hmm. Um, so it has to be uniform all the way through. Otherwise it's not going to feel authentic and people are going to fall off because of that.
0: Yes, I think uh, authenticity and I would say authenticity and consistency as the third point, right? So your yeah. brand is not your logo that you just based on, let's say your sales collaterals or uh, let's say your uh, website and stuff like that. You have to lift the brand, right? So you can't yeah. say, hey, we, uh, let's say we care and, you know, your copy doesn't reflect that or your social media doesn't reflect that. So if you say something, it, it's got to be consistent and authentic across all mediums.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And down to how your service delivery is put together to Mm how um, the smallest thing is how people are answering the phone. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that that gives into your brand as well, because it all relates back to what is that feeling you want people to have when they think of your company. Um, And yeah, so that's it all it all makes sense. It all puts all the pieces together. But
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I got to tell you, Nancy, you you made it look far, far, far simple. You know, as someone who comes from the marketing background, I know how difficult it is. But, uh, you know, I must say that you've done a very stellar job in one, doing the branding part right. And two, in explaining to our listeners on how you went about the process. (laughs) Well, thank you. It,
1: yes. should <laughs> <laughs> it should
0: be uh, easy. Hopefully, yeah. yes. Hopefully, a lot more MSP owners, you know, delve along those lines. So, uh, you know, again, with respect to, again, uh, you know, uh, okay, like, great, right? So, I ha- as an MSP owner, I have the brand ready. I have, let's say, a couple of employees, you know, who are abiding by the brand. You know, the next big part is the lead generation, right? So there are two ways, uh, you know, at least broadly, I have seen things work. One is, you know, you restrict yourself to a specific geography target, pretty much all small, medium and enterprise businesses based on, you know, what you can deliver or go after a vertical. So is there a right or wrong approach or is there inherent advantages or, you know, uh, targeting a, a geography versus, a, let's say, a vertical Good question. So,
1: for the way that I think about it is, uh, who's your ideal client? And if you start off with creating a profile of who it is that is your buyer, then you can start to formulate where they are, and um, then from there comes the strategy behind the lead generation.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. But
1: the first and foremost important thing is
0: who is your ideal buyer, and. and- Uh, how do we figure that out? Uh, Let's say I haven't had a clue and I've had like clients from, let's say, across verticals, across geography. So how do you, uh, you know, kind of narrow it down? Good
1: question. So if you already have clients, um, that's when you start to look at what are the commonalities and who do I like the best? Um, You know, who do I work with the best? Um, You're going to have your A clients, your B clients, your C clients. And when you start to categorize them in, in that fashion, your A clients are who you want because they have all the right markers of who, what makes a successful client for you? You know, what are the success stories behind, behind those? And a lot of the times that's where you're going to find the best value that you've provided. And so once you start to realize that, you want more of those people. And so start to put a profile based off of them, their commonalities, what, um, what vertical are they in? What software do they use? Where do they shop? How many employees do they have? Um, I mean, there are so many things that, that you can pull off of that to start creating that profile of the ideal mm-hmm. client.
0: Got it. And what if I'm starting out? So if I have a list of clients, I could probably, let's say, look at commonalities, arrive at, let's say uh, the common things and, you know, sketch out their characteristics. But what, uh, let's say if I'm starting out, so uh, how do you uh, solve for that confusion?
1: That's a great one. Um, what kind of experience do you have? Um, you know, start off with that, you know, so depending on the experience that you have, what problems can you solve? And, mm-hmm. If you're looking at the problems that you can solve, who has those problems? Um, so let's take an example. Um, someone that has worked in, a, in an MSP and is looking to start off their own. Um, they have a specific experience in financial, let's say financial software. So they've uh, helped customers with QuickBooks. Well, who's using QuickBooks um, so often? And then you start to say, okay, well, accountants, bookkeepers, um, they use that, so then you can start to look at, okay, well, um, from there, what kind of um, companies am I looking for that I could service uh, quickly? And because you're starting off, so you want low-hanging fruit, you want um, the companies that are gonna be easier to, to get, and so you could start to form that there, and that changes every, stage of business, um, you know, who your ideal client is and so on and so forth. So it it's an ongoing thing. Yeah. It's it's a work in progress.
0: It's (laughs) always a work in progress. Got it. Yeah. I think um yeah I think we've pretty much come to the final part of the interview, Nancy, but I can't believe that I wish I could keep going for the next uh, 20, 30 minutes because you know we did speak about your transition from break fix to MSPs and your advice for how MSPs could go about it. You know, the branding playbook that we just Recreated, uh, you know, on the call, and then, you know, finally talking about going broad versus going niche, right? But hey, I'm not gonna just leave it at that. So we are gonna have a quick rapid fire, where we have a couple of questions. <laughs> so hope uh, you know you have uh, a lot of rapid answers, full of fire.
1: <laughs> oh, <Oof>, okay, <laughs> ready. <It's>
0: <laughs> yeah. So let game face on. <laughs> so uh, what's your biggest MSP pet peeve?
1: Branding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Uh so what's your number one productivity hack?
1: Ooh, time blocking.
0: Ah, uh, nice. Uh what's your uh number one resource that you recommend? Either it could be something that MSP owners could uh, or technicians could read, watch, listen, or be a part of? Ooh, IT for Whiskey podcast. Ah, and you that's a good one. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So uh, your favorite holiday destination? Holiday destination.
1: Uh, Well, I haven't been there yet, but Dominican Republic is next on my list. (laughs) Ah,
0: Good one. (laughs) So your advice to your 18-year-old self from a professional point of view? um, Trust your gut. Trust
1: your gut in in making those decisions. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Got it. So, uh, and one piece of advice to everyone starting an MSP in 2021.
1: Oh, that, you got me on that one. (laughs) (laughs) No, no rapid fire on that one. Um, Well, uh, think lean and mean um, so that you can make quick shifts um, while you're building.
0: Got it. And the last question. So, uh, if you had to re- recommend one uh, guest for our show next, who would that be? Myron Herrera. Okay. Awesome. I think uh, I think you were pretty good in the rapid fire as well. Just you know, <laughs> as good as you were in the interview. So, thank you for that, uh, Nancy. And to be very, very honest, uh, you know, I had a lot of fun talking with you because you know, we did, as I said, speak about a variety of subjects. One and you know we had the right mix of tactical stuff as well as you know talking strategy and high level stuff so thanks a lot for taking the time and you know coming in and i hope you had a lot of fun as well
1: i did i I wish we would have done this sooner
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you nancy and see you Bye bye bye